By the way, in case some of you are worried, I am not Mac Richard. Uh, he's the tall, good-looking guy, a lot younger than me. But Mac, let, Mac lets me come in here and, and pretend like I'm tall and good-looking sometimes. And by the way, by the way, it's uh, uh, the lady that does my hair. She's doing the best she can. So, so, uh, and, and so we're doing all we can. It's just hard, you know. It's hard to take my five foot four inches and get to uh, what is he six two of twisted blue steel and all of that. And I just it doesn't work that way. And isn't this cool? You know, I really, isn't that cool? I mean, I, I came out here during the week and sort of watched it going up. There was just a handful of guys that were working on that. And, I, and when I saw what they were getting ready to do, I thought, you're kidding me. And then I got to watch it come up, and it looks, it looks fantastic. Some guys did some, did some great work putting that together. Also, take a look at your, your, uh, your program. It talks about Father's Day next week. Dads, granddads. Uh, next week's a special day in addition to being Father's Day and, and, you know, the day of the year when people, you know, some, some of your family may actually recognize it's a special day. And, uh, and they'll say, Happy Father's Day. Well, you know what? We're going to do more than that. We're going to give you a chance to win a, a steak tour, high stakes tour of 12 of Austin's finest restaurants, one gentleman in each service. So, guys, you don't want to miss next week. And kids, bring your dads here. They might win. You know, I don't know that they're going to take you with them when they go to the High Stakes Tour, but, you, uh, but they might. And, and so bring them. Who knows? You may win part of this too. Let, let's, let's pray before we, before we get into, into the message this morning. Lord God, Father, I thank you so very much for giving me the privilege of declaring your greatness to the next generation and the next generation. And, and Lord, it just amazes me that you can take an old guy like me and, Lord, that you can equip me to stand up in front of all these wonderful people that are just a whole lot younger than I am. And, and God, I, I'm amazed that you let me work with Mac and Julie and, and Lord, that, that I get to be a part of this. Now, Father, I just ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, don't let anything in me get in the way of what you want to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You ever take on something that uh, you think is beyond your ability to finish? You know, that's, that's kind of the story of my life. Uh, I can still remember in, uh, in my first week of my freshman English class at the University of Texas... We were all sitting around. The professor came in a little bit late. He said, take out your blue books. By the way, back then, in, in, uh, ages and ages ago, a blue book was something you, you, wrote, you wrote papers in. You know, I don't know how many pages it did, but you had to write them. He said, take out your blue books. And he said, I want you to write an, a 10-page essay on threading a needle in a windstorm blindfolded. Now, I, at the time, I mean, I'm a freshman 18 years old, I think, yeah, 18 years old, and uh, not a creative bone in my body. And, and I thought, you're kidding me. You have to be kidding me. And then he just walked, over, and before he walked out of the room, he said, when you're finished, pile, the paper, pile, pile your blue books up here on the desk. And then he left. Fifteen minutes later, I'm still looking at a blank <laughs> blue book and thinking, this is nuts. So I just got up and walked out. A little while later, I dropped the class. That's one of those things that I didn't have what it took to finish. 
Well, then, then I can still remember also the day after my wedding, I thought, what have I gotten myself into? By the way, I'm doing better on that one, okay? But, but you, you've, done that. you've done that before when you've gotten yourself into something that's, that's too big for you and, and you think, I can't finish. If you have your Bibles, turn and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 31. We're going to look at a few verses of Scripture in Deuteronomy and then also flip over to Joshua 3. We're going to look at some, some, uh, some select versions of verses in, in Joshua 31, excuse me, Deuteronomy 31 and Joshua 3. And, and uh, probably the biggest beyond my ability venture that I ever got myself into was when I was in my early 20s, I decided I wanted to be a preacher. Now, a pre, being a preacher was so far removed from my skill set that when, that when I told my mom what I wanted to do, she went in the other room and cried. Now, uh, moms, that's not a good motherly thing to do. Just, just let me give you some advice. No, don't do that. And, and, and if you are going to do it, do it the way my, my mom did it. She didn't tell me. Uh, she didn't tell me till later that she went in the other room and cried. But you see, at the time, I had a severe speech impediment. I stuttered. I mean, I really stuttered. I stuttered so much so that if you were to meet me at, during this season of my life, if you, the, your first thought would be, wow, that guy stutters. That was the most noticeable thing about me, other than I was five, four and a half. And uh, my mom, who was, who was more anchored to reality than I was, she knew that I would never make it very far as a stuttering preacher. But rather than saying, you've got to be kidding me, son, she just went in her bedroom and cried. <laughs> now, we're in the second week of the Staying Power series from the life of Joshua. And Joshua was just about to take on something that was way over his head and way beyond his ability to finish. Joshua was about to say, Yes, to succeeding Moses as the leader of God's people. And there was not a career counselor on the planet who would have told Joshua, this will really be good for your career. I mean, folks, this is Moses, for heaven's sakes. Moses, the guy who... who destroyed Egypt, the most powerful nation in the world at the time. The guy who parted the sea so that, so that the people of Israel could walk through it on dry land. The guy who made fresh water come out of a rock in the desert. The guy who called down bread from heaven, so much bread that there was enough to feed millions of people for 40 years. Now, how on earth do you follow that? When Joshua told his mom, I would imagine she did the same thing my mom did. She probably went into her tent and cried. But you see, God had plans for Joshua. More than 500 years before, God had, had chosen a man named Abraham. And when he chose Abraham, he set in motion a plan for the birth of a nation. 
a nation that would occupy a tiny sliver of land on the east shore of the Mediterranean Sea. A land where one day a descendant of Abraham would die on a cross. He also happened to be the son of God. He would die on a cross for the sins of mankind. And then he would rise from the dead so that anyone who placed faith in him would be able to live the kind of life they were created for. And Joshua, he was about to lead the descendants of Abraham across the Jordan River and take possession of that land. But that land was well defended by some really big guys. So Moses called all the people together. It was time for a hail and farewell when when the old leader goes away and the new leader takes over. So take your Bibles and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 31, beginning in verse 1. When Moses had finished giving these instructions to all the people of Israel, he said, I am now 120 years old. Folks, that's older than me. And I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has told me you will not cross the Jordan River. So Moses said, look guys, I'm too old to lead you anymore. Plus the fact God has already told me that he won't let me cross the Jordan River with you. So let's keep going, verse 3. But the Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy the nations living there, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua will lead you across the river. Now, I can picture, I can just picture Joshua listening to all this, taking notes on his, on his iPhone. And, and so he's, 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 he's taking all these notes on his iPhone, and he says, okay, God's going, God's going ahead of us. That's good. Got it. Okay, and then, then, then he says, we're going to cross the Jordan. I'm not sure how we're going to do that, but I got it. Destroy the nations. Whoa, I've been over there. Those are big guys across over there on that river. I've been over there, but God says he's going to do it. Wow, I hope God does it. Joshua looks around at all of his troops. They're all about five, four and a half. And there's a bunch of big guys. Okay, God, if you say you're going to do it, I believe, I believe you're going to do it. Okay, so let's keep going. Look in verse 7. Then Moses called for Joshua. Okay, so, so Joshua's out in the group. Okay, and Moses says, step up here, Joshua. And so Joshua puts away his iPhone, and he steps forward right there in front of all of the people. Joshua's mom's on the front row drying the tears from her eyes. She said, don't do it, son. Don't do it. Now, by the way, if you go looking in your Bible for Joshua's mom, you will not find her. She's probably, actually, she's probably dead at this time. So consider all this about Joshua's mom. Consider that to be part, that's part of the Hollywood version of, 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 of Joshua. So mom's on the front row. She said, don't do it. Don't do it, son. Let's keep going. Okay, chapter 31, verse 7, says, And as all Israel watched, 
he, Moses, said to him, Be strong and courageous, for you will lead these people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors he would give them. Now down in verse 8. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord, then a few words later, the Lord will be with you. So right there in front of everybody, Moses says, Joshua, you're the man. You're the one who's going to lead all of these people into the land that God promised them. Okay, so now let's, let's find out from Moses, uh, from Moses. Let's find out from Joshua's mom what she thinks about all this. Deanne, would you hand me that microphone, please? Okay, thank you. We're going to walk over here and talk to Joshua's mom. Okay, are, are you Joshua's mom? Yeah, yeah, I am. Why? Why, why, why are you crying? This is a big day. You should be happy for your son. Happy for my son? Why? Look at him. He's only five, four and a half. And, and, and besides, look at all the people. The, the way they're looking at him, they think he's some kind of a hero. He's not a hero. He's my son. Well, Joshua's mom, Moses said that God's going to be with him. Oh, yeah? Well, I guess we'll just see about that. But that's the issue, wasn't it? That was the key issue of all of this. If God was with Joshua, then anything is possible. But if God's not with Joshua... There were some really bad dudes over on the other side of that river. I had just stuttered my way through a five-minute, what was supposed to be a five-minute presentation of the gospel of Jesus to another student there at the University of Texas. It took me about 20 minutes instead of five minutes because I stuttered through the whole thing. And, uh, and the poor guy with me, he was very patient waiting on me. So was the poor student that was having to listen to this. When I went to leave, the guy that was with me, a guy named Phil Fleming, he said, Terry, how long have you stuttered? And I said, well, I don't ever remember not stuttering. Mom says, my mom says I stuttered, started stuttering when I was about three. So I guess I've been stuttering for about 18 years then. And so Phil said, well, Terry, have you ever prayed about your stuttering? And I said, no, I didn't even know you could pray about things like that. Folks, I'd been a Christ follower. I've been a Christian at this point three months. Okay, there was a lot of things I didn't know, including that you could actually pray about something like this. And so I, I told Phil, I said, no, I didn't even know you could pray about something like that. And, and, and Phil said, well, yeah, you can. Why don't you pray and, about your stuttering, and I will pray, and then let's just see what God does. So Phil went one way, and I went another way, headed to class. And I was regretting that I'd had that conversation with Phil. I was so afraid to pray that prayer. What if God didn't do anything? What if I prayed and asked God, to heal my stuttering, and he didn't do anything. 
the job that Moses had given Joshua, it looked impossible unless God was with Joshua. But what if he wasn't? That five foot, four and a half inch army of Joshua's, it didn't stand a chance against the guys across the river. But on the other hand, what if God really was with Joshua? Wouldn't that be something? And if God really was with Joshua, then what's Joshua supposed to do? Hebrew word, let's, let's keep going. Oh, what? I tell you what, look back in verse 7. We already read this. I want to read it again. In verse 7, there's a few, just one little phrase in there. Moses said to him, be strong and courageous. Now, I want you to catch this. Okay, it's as if Joshua said, okay, Moses, what am I supposed to do? And, God, and Moses says, Joshua, just be strong and courageous. That's it? Moses says, well, I mean, there's a few other things. I mean, you really need to do what God tells you to do, but basically that's it. Just be strong and courageous. Now, the Hebrew words that are translated here, strong and courageous, they are so close to the same meaning that in the Bible they're often used as synonyms. If there's a difference between the Hebrew word that's translated strong and the Hebrew word that's translated courageous, the word strong is more closely related to the will, and courageous is more closely related to emotions. So strong, then, is that determined, single-minded pursuit of a goal. It's what gets the marathoner across the finish line. And courageous is the confidence that we need to overcome fear when things are not going the way we thought they should be going. Courageous is, is what, what it means to, to stay in when we feel like getting out. Or as John Wayne say, said, it's being scared to death and saddling up anyhow. That's courageous. So I want to ask you a question. What are you involved in right now that you believe God wants you to finish? And finish well. May have to do with school. May have to do with your job. It may have to do with ministry of some kind. It may have to do with your marriage or, or with parenting one of your kids or with a friend who needs a friend. There's so many possibilities. On the other hand, it may not have to do with anything you're doing right now. Maybe there's something you're looking for, a purpose or a mission from God that makes a difference so that you're not just putting one foot in front of the other, living, doing one, just going through the motions one day at a time. You're actually doing something that, that makes a difference, and you want that so bad, and it's just not there yet, and you find yourself saying, God, why, why am I even here? What are your plans for me? Now, whichever place you are, 
doing something that you believe God wants you to finish or pursuing something and God wants you to finish that as well. Do you have what it takes to finish and finish it well? Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 says, It is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purposes. If you are a Christ follower, a Christian, or is that song we sang a while ago, a child of God, then you have what it takes to finish and finish well. Because the Holy Spirit of God Almighty lives in you to accomplish His purposes. So you have everything it takes to finish. So we go up to Moses and we say, Moses, what do I need to do to finish and finish well? And Moses looks at you and like he did Joshua. And he says, just be strong and courageous. Okay, but, but, but we have to do something. I mean, I can't just stand here being strong and courageous. What am I supposed to do, Moses? How does that work? How do we finish well being strong and courageous? First, confront setbacks with confidence that God will accomplish his purpose for you. Now, why would you have that confidence? Because that's what the Bible says. The Bible says God is in you. If you're a Christ follower, God is in you to accomplish his purposes. So you confront setbacks with confidence God will accomplish his purpose for me. Now, now, if you are a Christ follower, if you are pursuing God and his plans for your life, you will face opposition. I promise you. Some of that opposition is going to come from within yourself. The Bible calls that temptation. It, it's when the desires of our, our flesh, our sinful nature, actually wages war against our soul. Or as the Bible goes on, it says, even wages war against the Holy Spirit who is in us. Some of the opposition is going to come within, within yourself. Some of the opposition is going to come from other people. Some of the opposition is going to come from what the New Testament calls spiritual forces of wickedness. That's a lot of opposition that is in the way between you and you accomplishing God's purposes for you. Okay, but look at what it says in Psalm 138, verse 8. It says, the Lord will work out his plan for my life. In spite of all of the opposition, either within me or from out there. God will work out his plan for me. He will accomplish his purposes for you. So first of all, confront setbacks with confidence that God will accomplish his purpose for you. Second, second thing to do if you're going to finish well. Confront fear with confidence in God's presence. You know, sometimes when the people I care about or things that are important to me, when those are threatened, 
Sometimes I can become almost like a kid with separation anxiety. And my emotions begin to take over. And I think, God, where are you? But then I'm reminded of what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 20. Where Jesus said, be sure of this. Okay, be confident of this. You can know this for a fact. I am with you always. Even to the end of the age. And so I remind myself. I'm God's child. I'm a Christ follower. God promised he's never going to leave me. And so with Joshua. Moses says, Joshua, just be strong. God's going to finish. God's going to finish his purpose for you. Okay, just be courageous. Be confident of God's presence with you. He gave his marching orders to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. So what comes next? Next is the crossing of the Jordan. Now, let me just say this before we cross the Jordan. Sometimes being strong and courageous is beyond us. Sometimes we say, God, I know you said I'm supposed to be strong and courageous, but I can't. For whatever reason, it's not there. And so what does God expect from you? If you can't even be strong and courageous. The same thing that the young man said whose son was sick, demon possessed. And Jesus said, do you believe? And the man said, yeah, I do, but help my unbelief. So if we need to be strong and courageous and it's just not there, we can say, God, I need to be strong and courageous, but it's not there. God, by your power in me, give me everything I need to be strong and courageous. And then let's cross the Jordan. Look in Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. The Lord told Joshua, let's jump down to verse 8. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. Now, folks, the river was at flood stage at this, this time of the year. The water was muddy. It was deep. It was turbulent. And at this particular time of the year, it was a long way over to the other side. And so all of these people, they're crowding along the riverbank. Watching to see what happens as, as four priests carry this four-foot-long chest toward the water. Now, this gold-plated chest called the Ark of the Covenant, inside that chest were the Ten Commandments and several other important reminders of all that God had done in the last 40 years. But most of all, the Ark of the Covenant symbolized God's presence with his people. So let's keep going. Look in verse 9. So Joshua told the Israelites, Today you will know that the living God is among you. As the priests stepped into the water, 
the river started backing up so fast the, their feet barely got wet. And four million people, along with all their kids and their sheep and their goats and their cattle, they walked across a dry riverbed that just a short time before had been a turbulent, flooding river. You know, for years there have been skeptics who attributed this miracle to an earthquake that, that, that happened 20 miles upstream. Well, maybe it did. But the timing of that earthquake, kind of hard to argue with that. I mean, if you're going to have an earthquake, let's do it before we get in the water. Let's keep going. Joshua chapter 4, verse 1. When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, let's jump down to verse 3. Take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan and carry them out and pile them up. So Joshua, he chooses 12 guys. They had to be pretty strong guys because the stones they're getting ready to bring out of the middle of the Jordan River, or what used to be the Jordan River, now it's just a riverbed, are really big. They're smooth, round stones. And so, so 12 guys go in while the priests are still standing here. They pick up these 12 big stones and they carry them out and they pile them in this pile where Joshua's, where, where the people of Israel are going to make camp for that night. Now let's go to verse 6. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Now let's fast forward to a season of setbacks for God's people. And this little kid comes up to his mom and dad. And he says, our life sucks. How do we know that God's with us? And dad and mom look at each other. And they say, let's take a field trip. And the whole family makes this pilgrimage down to the southwest bank of the Jordan River. It's easy to find. There's a trail. People have been going there, down this trail, to see these stones for a long time. And they get to the stones. Dad looks at Mom. Says, you want to tell him or you want me to? Mom says, why don't you tell him? So dad says, you see those stones, son? Yeah, what do those stones mean? It was at this spot when four million of our, our ancestors, hundreds of years ago, we were on the other side of that river. And right here on this spot, God stopped the river from flowing. And four million of us walked across on dry land. And God said, he told us, he says, I will never leave you. That's how we know God is with us. The third thing to do in order to finish well is confront our doubts with confidence in what we know is true. Forty-something years ago, 
my faith crashed. I didn't know what I believed anymore. And so I decided to start rekindling my faith at the beginning. And I, re- I still remember sitting around our kitchen table. And, uh, and, and I looked in, in all of the chairs. I was having my time with the Lord. I had my Bible open sitting around the kitchen table. And, and I looked and all of the chairs were lined up around the table. And it just hit me all of a sudden. I don't know why all those chairs are lined up there. Because I put them there. And then I looked outside to our backyard. There were trees growing out there. There was birds flying around. Our dog, Tiger, was running around the backyard. And it suddenly hit me that that didn't happen by accident any more than all those chairs got lined up around this table by accident. And that's where I started. There is a God. Now it was time to move on to Jesus. And I knew all of the writers of the New Testament were threatened with death unless they changed their testimonies about Jesus. And not one of them changed their story. And I felt sure that these men whose testimonies are recorded in the New Testament were not stupid enough to die for a lie that they created. And so I concluded, wow, Jesus really did die on a cross And God raised him from the dead. And it was like I put a stake in the ground. That much I know is true. Folks, if we wait until all of our questions are answered before we move on in our spiritual journey, we will never move on. But we don't need to know everything. We just need to know some things. And then we need to accept that if what we know is the truth then sooner or later, everything else is going to get sorted out as well. There was a man that Jesus healed, cured him of his blindness. And he was being peppered by questions from a lot of of men, and they were saying, asking him questions about Jesus, and he didn't know the answers to those questions. And, and, And finally, finally, he looked at these guys, and he said, I don't know any of those things. He said, this is the only thing, the one thing I know, I used to be blind, but now I can see. When my faith crashed, there was one more thing I knew. Once I stuttered, but now I don't. When I left Phil Fleming that afternoon, I was so afraid to pray that prayer. I didn't know my faith could handle it if God didn't do anything. And so I was walking along toward my next class. Actually, I think it was geology. I was walking to my next class, and I finally said, God, if you're powerful enough to raise Jesus from the dead, then you can do something about my stuttering. And I was just getting ready to ask God to do something about my stuttering, and I ran into my brother-in-law, Patsy's brother, coming across campus. He hollered at me, Terry! So I stopped, and we talked till the tower chime started going off, which I guess would have been about 10 minutes. And I said, Bill, I'm late for class already. I need to run. And so I took off running. Halfway to class, I realized I just had a 10-minute conversation. And I hadn't stuttered. 
Now, folks, in my case, God did a miracle. But God doesn't do the same miracles over and over to convince us that he is God. And that the things that it, and everything it says about him in the Bible is the truth. He expects one generation of believers to pass their God stories on to the next generation so that that generation can pass it on to the next generation. So my story is not just my story. It's my kid's story. It's my grandkids' story. And you know something? Now that I've told it to you, it's your story too. Now I want to go back to the question I asked before. What are you doing or pursuing that you believe God wants you to finish and finish well? You may be doing it right now or you may be looking for that purpose, that, that reason that God has you here, that, that mission that, that, that makes a difference. Whatever it is, what are you doing that God wants you to finish if you are a Christ follower, you already have all it takes to finish and finish well. Because God Almighty is with you. He's not just with you. He is in you to accomplish his purposes for your life. If you are a Christ follower, he says, I will never leave you. It's his power in you working and acting to accomplish his purposes. You have everything you need to finish. But what if you're not a Christ follower? You want to become one? It's not that hard. In some ways, it's not that hard. When I became a Christian, I prayed for about 90 seconds. That's when it all started. It's not hard to pray. Not, what's hard is telling Jesus you want him to be your boss. Because we're really used to being our own boss. If you want to become a Christ follower so that God will be at work in you to accomplish all that he has for you, his purposes for you, if you want to be a child of God. Just say, God, forgive me for, and you fill in the blank. And then ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and be your boss. Be your Lord. That's it. That's it. That's all. Jesus, come into my life and be my Lord. Forgive me for whatever back there. He died so that that could be forgiven. Now, Jesus, come in and be my Lord. Well, like I told the Lord when I became a Christ follower, take me like a football and run with me wherever you want to go. And that starts that life where you have everything you need to finish well. Will you bow your heads, please? If you want to become a Christ follower, then just ask Jesus, under your breath, just ask Jesus to come into your life and be your Lord. That's it. Just do it right now.
right now, just say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for whatever and come into my life and be my Lord. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. He wouldn't lie to you. If you ask him to come in and be your Lord, he will come in to be your boss, to be your Lord. Just pray that right now, just between you and God. If you're already a Christ follower and you need courage, you need to be strong, ask God to give you the strength and the courage so that you can finish well. If you just prayed or if you're in the process of praying and asking Jesus to come into your life and be your Lord, I'm going to ask you to do two things. Before you leave here, if you will, just take that Connect card that talks about Father's Day on it. And there's a place in there for you to fill out your information about you. Please do it legibly so I'm going to call you. And I, it's hard for me to call you if I can't read what's on there. And, and, and fill in the information about you, contact information, and just check that box. I committed my life to Christ this week. And then I'm going to call you. And you know what? I'm not going to... You're not committing yourself to big... I'm just going to want to sit down and have a conversation with you. Probably here on Sunday morning, right outside the doors here. We'll sit down and have a 15-minute conversation about some important next steps in your spiritual journey. So just check that box. I just asked Jesus into my life. I committed my life to Christ. One more thing I'm going to ask you to do. If you just prayed and asked Jesus Christ to come into your life and be your Lord... Would you just put your hand up in the air? Everybody's eyes are closed, heads bowed. Put your hand up in the air. Kind of marks this spot as a special time when, when you became a Christ follower, when you became a child of God and Jesus entered your life to be your Lord. Just put your hand up in the air. It also says to God, God, I'm serious about this. Just put your hand up in the air. Mark this moment. This begins your brand new life as a child of God. And we have a tradition here at Lake Hills Church. When you put your hands down, we put ours together. And I want to welcome you into God's family. Let's everybody stand. Next week, Father's Day. Don't forget, get your dads here, get your grandfathers here. Okay, those guys are going to have an opportunity to win a special treat. A steak tour of the 12, 12 of the best restaurants in Austin. So you want to be sure don't miss next week. And tomorrow's VBS. By the way, if you have kids, you want to be in VBS, and you haven't registered yet, don't try to register online. Just show up in the morning at 9 o'clock, and we'll make room for them. See you, uh, see you at VBS tomorrow. See you next week for Father's Day. Have a good week.